Welcome back to the Oyuz Mishnah Yomis. My name is Jack Abramowitz. Today we are continuing our studies in the fifth chapter of Mesechus Erevin. Today we are studying Mishnayas Hey and Vav. Mishnah Hey says, Ein modidin elemin hamumcha. We only accept measurements of the tchum from an expert. If the measurement is long on one side and short on the other, then we listen to the longer measurement. If one person who measured it came out with a higher number and one came out with a lower number, we listen to the one who came out with a higher number. And even a servant or a maid servant is believed if he says this is how far the tchum extends. Because the entire matter of tchum was meant to be a leniency, not a stringency. So we're not looking to make it more difficult on people. So in any case of doubt or question, we are erring on the side of leniency. Bart Nuro. We only accept measurements from an expert. Adam Habaki b'Medida, someone who is proficient in measuring. Riva l'makom echad umiat l'makom acher. If it's longer on one side and shorter on the other, shenimtsu simane hatchum zu aruchin ubaltin mikneged simane hatchum keren shiknegda. We find that the measurements, the signs of the tchum on one side, stick out farther than on the adjacent side. Shomen l'makom shiriba. We listen to the side that's longer. And we extend the short side to meet up with it. We say that the rope wasn't extended as much as it should have been. And we learned in Tosefta that the person has to stretch the rope all the way out. He can't uh, do a half-hearted job. If one surveyor uh, came out with a larger measure and one came out with a shorter measure... This means to say, that one person measured long and one person measured short. Two experts measured it, and they came out with a longer and a shorter measurement. That's all we have to say on Mishnah Hay, so let's continue immediately to Mishnah Vav. This is a different topic here, and we'll return to the measurements and Tchumen, etc. But in the meantime, a little divergence here. Ir shall yachid, if a city is privately owned, the Nazis shall rob him, and it becomes later publicly owned. Ma'arvin Kula, you can make a single Erev for the entire city. An Erev in this case is something that joins the inhabitants of the city together so that they can carry in the common areas between them. And if a publicly owned city becomes privately owned, in Ma'arvin Kula, you cannot make a single Erev for everyone. Unless you exclude outside of it an area the size of the city of Chadasha in Yehuda, which had 50 residents. This is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Shimon, Omer, Rabbi Shimon says, You have to exclude three courtyards of two houses. Let's look in the Barton Uro. A privately owned city. Like one person bought the whole thing. And he rented the houses to the people who lived there. But after this, it became publicly owned. So it ceased to be private property, and it became everyone owns their own house. 
Ma'arvenes Kula. You can make one Erev for the whole thing. Just like they did when it was privately owned. They don't need to exclude anybody. But if it was publicly owned and then became privately owned, you cannot make a single Erev for the whole thing. Because you cannot make an Erev for a publicly owned city. Unless you exclude certain houses that are known not to be part of this joining together. Now why is this? Because that exclusion makes it known that the reason that these people can carry between them is because there's an Erev. And people won't forget that there's such a thing as carrying in a Rishus Arabim. This is why in a lot of towns where they have an Erev around it, they occasionally will take the Erev down, just to remind people, you know, you're really not allowed to carry in a Rishus Arabim on Shabbos, we can only do it because of the Erev. And this is because it used to be publicly owned. And and this is because it used to be publicly owned, and even though now it's become privately owned, we're treating it like it originally was. So you can only do this if what? Unless you leave outside of it uh, an excluded area. That don't make the air with the rest of the inhabitants. And this is a bit of a revelation to us. It's a surprising thing to tell us that even something outside the city, a suburb, serves the purpose of an exclusion for an Erev. So how big does it have to be? The first opinion says, which could be read a new city in Yehuda. But Bartnero explains, It was a city in Yehuda, and its name was Chadasha. And if you take a look over in the Tosos Yantif, he explains that we actually saw this city in Sefer Yehoshua. There were only 50 inhabitants of the city. And it was the smallest city in all of Yehuda. And it was the area excluded from the city close to it. So it was a suburb, and it wasn't included in the area of the city that it was a suburb to. And it's the size that you have to exclude when you make an error for a city. That doesn't get erved with the rest of it. So that we should recognize that there is such a law dealing with Rosh Hashanah. But Rabbi Shimon says you only have to exclude Shlosh Chatzeros, three courtyards. Upsak Halacha, Afilu Bayas Echad, Bachatzer Echad, Hayushir. Really, the Halacha is, the final analysis, even a single house and a single courtyard counts to be left out. And a city that only has one entrance, even if it was a public city, that doesn't need anything excluded from the Erev. So that is our little divergence into a different topic. Join us tomorrow for Mishnayas Zion and Ches, and we will continue with our discussion of Erev Tchumen.